Welcome to the Vancouver Boys Podcast, a division of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. Someone sounds like they're coming on the train! <laughs> Yo, what's up? This is Paul Bissonette. Welcome to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. Here are your hosts, Jake Jude. I don't care. Offer me 10 firsts. If you're not giving me Leon Dreisaitl, you don't get Saros. Marcus Keller. Is Brock Besser <laughs> going to score four goals every game? Maybe, but probably not. <laughs> and Alex Smith. Third star of the week goes to Pistachios for how stupidly expensive they are. Steve Dangle here. I love the Vancouver Boys. It's the Vancouver Boys Podcast. Woo! <laughs> Welcome back. Season four, episode one. Two. Oh, yeah. Episode two. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Episode two, week one of hockey is in the books. I got a little ahead of myself because I was excited to talk about it. We did so much hyping up to start that episode, too. Just... Ah. I'll kill both of you. <laughs> Anyways, week one is in the books. Lots to talk about, lots to check. But first, I'm going to check in with my guests. Co-host. Not my guests, my co host. Sometimes my guests. Depends who's here. Uh, the first co host, Mr. Marcus Keller. How's it going, everybody? Second co host, Mr. Jake Jude. Second co host. Third co host is me. I'll yeah. put myself third. You're <laughs> the host. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, yep. The three men that make up the podcast. That's right. Are here to talk about some Canucks news. Yes, we Alex, are. Alex, you always come up with new and fun ways to introduce the show that don't make any sense. No, they yeah. really don't. <laughs> it, it's so all over the map. I I love it though. I love it. It's very it's great, fun, entertaining, it's, and sporadic. It's just chaotic as hell. It's like, it yeah. is quite chaotic. Every, you never know when to regularly. Every time you open a podcast, it sounds like you've never done it before, which is amazing <laughs> considering how many times you've done it. You've literally been on the show for over a year now, Alex, as a regular. Not to yeah. mention all the guest spots you did before that. Hey, you gotta mix it up. <laughs> Things aren't working, mix it up. Right. Uh, speaking yeah, yeah. of mixing it up, I think we're going to get all kinds of mixed up in a second here because right before we do Canucks news, we have to hit everyone's favorite segment. Alex's Gambling Corner. Gambling Corner. Oh, I thought it was going to be what's cooking with Jake. Oh, sorry, buddy. What That goes after. Uh, does it? Yeah, I think. Okay, well, let, let's play the gambling music first, and then, then we'll get to that. Okay. It's- Alex's Gambling Corner. Oh, yeah? Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort KS, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. Well, Jake, since you want to talk about cooking, we're going to cook up some picks for you. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to do some NFL this week because the NHL didn't go so well. 
and I'm still warming up, still trying to figure out what teams I like, teams I don't. Uh, but Dude, I know last week in the NFL was nothing but upsets. It was crazy. Yeah, no, it was not great. Uh, so <laughs> we're gonna go for some favorites this week. Uh, we're gonna take the Seattle Seahawks to beat the Cardinals. Yep. We're gonna take the Chiefs to beat the Chargers. And Sunday night football, the Dolphins play the Eagles. And we're going to take the Eagles to beat the Dolphins. Oh. Three favorites, three winners. How you like it? Uh, that's how football goes a lot, isn't it? Sometimes. I like the Dolphins there, man. I like uh, the Dolphins. No, the Eagles' defense is just, it's on another level. And they also have an offense to back it up. Yeah, it's like the best offense in the NFL against the best defense. Yeah, you could write it up. I'd say it's either the Eagles or the Browns, based on what the Browns did to the Niners last week. Yeah, that was pretty nuts. But I don't know. I have a really tough time saying the Browns have the best anything. Yeah, that is true, too. Very, very true. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Jake. Yeah? uh, As a new segment added to the show, we still Uh don't have music, but I got music for you. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, brother. It's a me, Jake. Jake, what's cooking? <laughs> oh, no. Um, so tonight I made chorizo burgers. Oh. You made yeah. chorizo burgers? Yeah. So and instead you're of just like regular single, beef, how does that happen? <laughs> ladies. I, uh, I just mixed up some uh, chorizo sausage with like breadcrumbs, a little bit of sriracha. And then I put chipotle mayo and uh, onions and peppers on a burger and then have that. And it was really good. Was that raw onion? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> good. Good job. Okay, well, you know what? The whole thing sounded bad because I don't like chorizo. <laughs> Moving on. You don't what? like chorizo? No. What? Oh, you what? so raccoon taste buds. It does not. It's, okay, it's spicy. Holy shit. It's spicy. Dude, I could understand you're you so... it's not your favorite, but to not like it at all, that's insane. How do you not like it just because it's spicy? Yeah, that's that's precisely why. It's not oh. even spicy. It's, uh, the, it's been spicy when I've had it. Oh, Jesus. So, anyway, if you want to save your mouth, don't eat that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh what, You know what? I'm curious. Marcus, what did you have for dinner tonight? Oh, buddy, I like. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something less spicy than what I ate tonight, and I don't know if there is anything. I had fish and chips. <laughs> I, I don't know if it gets less spicy than fish and fucking chips, dude. You know, oh like, God. and I don't you just at least put like lemon on it. No, like tartar sauce, <laughs> loads of tartar sauce. He had a whole <laughs> container of tartar sauce just for him. I did order an extra tartar sauce, like outside of the ones that come with the meal, because I like to have one to myself. <laughs> Jesus. Wait, did you go somewhere? Uh, no, we, uh, we kind of had a family dinner night tonight, so I just picked it up and brought it home. Wait, like you picked it up from a place. No. Or like you picked up the ingredients and made it. No, who who makes fish and chips, yeah. Jake? You, what? What do you mean? You what? Wait, do you it? do fish and chips at Jake's Italian house? 
<laughs> no, no, we don't make fish and chips. Oh, okay, okay. But no, yeah, you can make fish and chips pretty easily. Well, you can, but no one does. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. Yeah, let's just go yeah, to the store totally and get agree. some cooking oil, some batters, some <laughs> fries. Some batter. batter. I'm going to make my whole Who buys batter? <laughs> well, like the ingredients for batter. But like, who, who does that? You want to roast me for how I eat? Who's going to the grocery store and like coming home like, you know what? I want my whole house to smell like deep fried fish for a month. That's what I want to do tonight. No one does that, Jake. If you're eating fish and chips, you definitely bought it somewhere. Okay. So where did you buy them from? Sea lovers. Okay. Right. It's kind of like. Sea lovers or Cockney Kings? What's better? They're the same recipe. Whoa, Pajos. Pajos, get, really? get out of here with Yeah, Pajos. no, Pajos is better for sure. No. Um, little hole in the wall, Austin Heights, or Austin Fish and Chips. Very good. Stays crunchy mm-hmm. even in the newspaper, which is hard to do. Did you just say little hole in the wall? It's a chain. Oh, is it? Yeah. Austin Heights is a chain? No, it's just Austin. No, Austin, Austin Fish and Chips is a chain. Oh, really? I think there's only like two of them, though. Is it on Austin? Yeah. One of them is. That's why I thought. Yeah. Of, yeah. No, there's one in Pitt Meadows and there's another one in Maple Ridge, at least. That makes sense. Yeah. they. I, if there was going to be a concentrated <laughs> amount of fish and chips joints anywhere, it would be Pitt Meadows and Maple Ridge. <laughs> Classic. Okay, boys. Right, we we got to move We got to bring it on. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some Canucks hockey. Oh, boy. So we're a week in to the yeah. season. Yes. Canucks are two and one. That's right. So off first glance, let's say you didn't know anything. And I told you in three games, they played the Oilers twice and Philly once. And I told you they were two and one. You'd feel pretty good, right? I would. You like- probably beat the Oilers once, maybe a pretty close game. And then beat Philly, hopefully, hopefully in a pretty good fashion. Put it, put it this way, if if you told me even after game one that we were about to go one and one right after that, I would have guessed that the Oilers would have absolutely cooked us. Yeah, so last week, I remember we did, we did our predictions and I think we all predicted that the Oilers were going to come back with some, you know, some heat. Oh, yeah. And they came back with fish and chips heat. Dude, don't dish fish and don't, don't bring fish and chips into this. Fish um, and chips is a part of a healthy and balanced diet. So the Canucks, I will say though, like that first shift, they looked like they were going to beat the Canucks ten nothing. Then, oh yeah, like that first. Yeah, they shift, scored they forty were seconds into the game. Why? Yeah, I mean, the Edmonton Oilers home opener. You know that f- those fans are ready. You know they want to see their yeah. team win. They just watched their team get absolutely pummeled. And then they see their team lose again to the same team. Four to three loss. No overtime. No nothing like that. Just a straight loss to a team that was but, projected to not even make the playoffs. But, I mean, the Oilers did outplay the Canucks in terms of, like, pace of play, puck control, time in the offensive zone. Like, they had all the advanced staff. It was just that the Canucks were shooting against Jake Skinner. Jake. Yeah, the Canucks did capitalize on pretty much all of their chances in that game. Jake, if I told you the Nashville Predators outplayed the Winnipeg Jets, uh, but they still lost, would that matter to you at all? 
I'm working really hard to say no. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they still lost to the Canucks. They went 0-2 to start the season. Yeah. And then the Canucks went on to get scoreless against the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, th- this one this one didn't make a lot of sense. Now there, let's talk about the Philly game for a little bit because there's like there's a there's fair a lot bit to, to talk into. about there. So, first of all, let's get this out of the way. And I'm not doing this because it's the most important thing. I'm doing it because I genuinely want to talk about it, so I don't have to talk about it anymore. The officiating in this game Oof. was bizarre. It was it was soft. That was one thing I saw. It, it for sure was, but then they did. Yeah, it just seemed like I'm not. I'm not one of the. Well, no, I am. I totally think the NHL is rigged. But like, I'm watching that game. It didn't even feel like it was all against the Canucks. It was just watching the refs a lot and going, "What are What are you doing? Are you familiar with the rules of the game?" It was just kind of like, "Do you really need to call that?" Yeah, exactly. Like you could call almost every single play like a, a, a penalty yeah. like you just don't need to call everything you see yeah and there, there's two pivotal calls that I, i'll talk about and then we can move on so did we see the penalty shot that uh um oh who's sean couturier couturier thank you thank you um we first of all let's acknowledge the penalty shot that was a gross penalty shot it was his first goal since 2021 or something like that yeah and who who does that? Doesn't score well because of injuries and whatnot. But still, you don't score a goal in the NHL for like two years, and then you get a penalty shot and you go, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna enter the zone backwards with the puck. Like I recently learned how to skate backwards, and I would not dare try oh. that on a penalty shot. Uh, Wait we, a minute, what? Can we quickly talk about the fact that Marcus just learned that he could turn 180 degrees Wait. on the ice without stopping? It was Marcus very exciting. Can skate backwards now? Not like he can't skate backwards, but if he's going forwards and then turns backwards, he can go until his momentum stops him. Yes. And so he can glide backwards. Yes. But that's new. That's that a is big, a very new step. and exciting skill for me. He's also scored again. Do I don't know if you told oh, yeah. Jake. I I uh, I don't. I've honestly stopped giving him updates because Jess just tells him everything before uh. I even get out of the locker room. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but yes, I did. I did manage to get another goal. It was another greasy tap in. But hey, put yourself in the right places. Yeah. Well, I mean, it didn't help that you almost skated into me like two. Yeah, seconds Marcus did that. try to take my head off uh, right before he scored, <laughs> so that was great. Um, but we don't talk about that because no, no, that no. wouldn't show up in the highlight reel. No, no. All that would show was be you scoring. Right. But back to the Canucks, though. Yes. Uh, Couturier came in backwards and did a little forehand, backhand, forehand thing and scored. It was a very nice penalty shot. But the way the penalty shot was awarded didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I so I didn't watch the game. I was listening to it over the radio on okay. my way home from work because it was an early game, mm-hmm. which I had no idea, by the way. Yeah, it started at 3 Pacific, which yeah. is just... Like we're all at odd time, still. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I they were trying to explain it, and it didn't really make sense. So it sounded like he had a breakaway, or you should explain it because you saw, right? Yeah. So um, you, you're right. Couturier had a breakaway, or it was like it was one of those breakaways where he had guys draped all yeah. over him, but he was the the first guy in yeah. the zone, and Pedersen kind of fell while he was checking him. 
and reached out and kind of went to whack Couturier's stick. When he did that, it's kind of bizarre, Pedersen's stick broke. Yeah. Usually when you slash someone, their stick breaks. Pedersen slashed, but it was his stick that broke. But then Couturier managed to handle the puck one or two more times and then try to shoot it, but he was in very close, so he didn't really shoot it. He more just like pushed it into the leg of Demko. Yeah. I was under the impression that for a penalty shot to be awarded, the player who is impeded on isn't supposed to get a shot away. He isn't supposed to get a scoring chance from what I know. Okay. I would certainly say that he had a scoring chance. Okay. It, like a penalty, probably. Like looking at it, it could maybe it's a little bit soft. But like if they're calling that a penalty, I don't have a problem with it. Like I get it. There's going to be borderline calls here and there. And that's one of them. But to go so far as to call it a penalty shot, I didn't understand that at, at all, really. So, as I'm talking to you, I've realized that I forgot that you are a very big homer, so I need to talk to Jake about this. Yeah, good point. To see uh, what he thinks, and if the penalty shot was deserved. Jake, did you see this at all? Yeah, um, I thought that it could have kind of gone either way. Um, I thought that he definitely was like in the position to, if he had been... Um, impeded in any way, he deserved a penalty shot. So I thought like that was fine, but I don't know. Like it's such a gray area for me because he did get off a pretty decent chance, but yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, though, like the game ended two nothing, so they still would have won if it was one nothing. So it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't see a lot. Of, I get it. You don't see a lot of like penalty shots nowadays where. It's a blatant, like, yeah, that's a penalty shot. It's all kind of up yeah. to the referee's discretion. And I'll, I'll be honest, you don't see a lot of penalty shots at all. Like no, that, you don't. You that's don't. what surprised me is refs are usually pretty hesitant on calling them yeah. because it's such a gray area. They don't want to be the guy that awards one when they shouldn't have. So I think they always try to play it safe and just call a regular penalty. Yeah. So this one surprised me because to me it was a gray area. So I, I'm surprised it got called. Yeah, very true. Um, let's jump back to the Edmonton game. Let's cover that one first. Oh, okay. Okay, sure. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, so yeah, it was a four to three win. Yeah. Um, like Jake said, Edmonton came out buzzing. Yeah. A lot of people could say that they deserve to win the game. Yeah. What they, do you guys think was the factor that let the Canucks win? To, to be honest, man, it was the third and fourth lines. The Canucks third and fourth lines did not give up. They had one of those games where um, kind of reminded me of w- when me and Jake talked about training camp. Huh? And I, I'll still give Jake credit for this because he's the one that brought it to my attention. The Abbotsford guys or the guys who are on the fringe of making the NHL were trying harder than anyone else on the ice because they knew they were fighting for their jobs. Yeah. Right? Like Patterson Miller would be a great example. Miller did not look good at all. He's a player that if you were judging him just based off of his play in training camp... I don't know if, well, he probably would have made the roster, but not like, not not at the level he came in at. He was riding his reputation. That game against Edmonton, the second game, it looked like you were seeing that from those third and fourth line guys. It was like Talkett said something to them, like, hey, show me why I should keep you up here or risk getting sent down. But they looked determined. They won tons of board battles, like well over the majority of what they had to face out there. And they they were rewarded. They got three goals, right? They all came from our bottom six. So I I was thrilled with their performance. Kuzmenko got a goal too. The top 
uh, lines didn't look bad. No. But they were outplayed. Well, I feel like it's very easy for our bottom six to outperform Edmonton's bottom six. Yeah, I would say the Canucks, uh, obviously I would say the Oilers have better star power. Yes. But the Canucks have better depth. Yeah. Very easy to say. Yeah. Jake, what about you? You you catch that as well? Yeah, I mean, I did see the Oilers game. There was one more thing about the Philly game, though, that I wanted to say. And then I'll come back and talk about the well, Oilers. I was going to cover um, the Philly game after because I feel like there's a lot more to talk about there. With oh, that being okay, the first sure. loss. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we're still going to talk. We, we jumped the gun by going to Philly first. We're yeah, doing the we're going to talk about game, the Philly then, game for sure. Yeah, we'll jump back to it. Okay. Um, then the Oilers game. I don't know. I already kind of talked about how I thought that the Oilers controlled the pace of play. The goaltending was really the big difference in that game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Marcus touched on it already. I like the play of the bottom six. Uh, the only other thing I would add, which we actually talked about last week, was just that Philip Ronick does not look as good as we want him to. Um, I thought that he played sloppy. He played kind of like he was maybe holding the stick a bit too tight, maybe nerves, maybe he's trying to... Because he knows he's the kind of the number two guy here, so maybe he's trying to fill those shoes a bit, and he's not quite doing it. Um, I don't know. I think just think he needs to settle down and play a little bit more defensively responsible game before he starts trying to be a little bit too impactful in the offensive end. Yes. And Other I think, than that, that's pretty much it. I think that's a perfect segue into the Philadelphia game. Philip Ronick, I don't know where he came up with this, but this whole behind-the-back pass oh, at the blue, on the blue line. line. I know. When, when are you ever taught to do something as stupid as that? A behind-the-back pass, a blind pass at the blue line when you're the last guy of defense. When is that a good idea? Let's ask our resident defenseman, Jake Jr. Yes. <laughs> All right, thanks for the layup, boys. Uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, I saw that. He did it more than once, too, which was the crazy thing. Yeah, I know. Like, like, like what? I Like, here's the thing. I can, I'm going to say this a lot of times, and I'm disappointed that the first time is going to be about Philip Peronic. But I'm learning. I'm literally learning how to play hockey right now. And I know not to do that. It's 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 literally insane. It's one of the first rules you learn is when you are the last line of defense, mm-hmm. you don't mess around. Yeah. You don't make stupid plays at the blue line. Jake, I'm guessing you've been taught that your whole life playing defense. You just don't make stupid plays at the blue line. Yeah, no, it's like rule number one when you have the puck at the blue line is like you are the last man back. There's no one behind you. I you have to be responsible. I wonder a bit if that is actually, if that's like specifically the problem. Is Heronic is came from a place where he was basically the Quinn Hughes. He was the offensive guy. He was the guy that did get to play around and do that stuff. Now he's in this role where he's supporting Quinn Hughes. And that's why I, I've said this kind of from the beginning. I think that they're better off not as partners, but on different pairings. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it's just a matter of they don't have a right-handed guy that can play with Hughes right now, and they're trying to, you well, know, they're trying to make anything work. Potentially, they might have just gotten one, but we'll talk about that one later. Yeah, yeah we'll jump into that. Yeah. There was a trade made this week, which uh, we'll, we will jump into. But yeah, I think that's exactly it, is Hughes needs a proper defensive defenseman partner not another offensive defenseman. Yeah, it's when we traded for him, this is the first thing I said was, he's not Quinn Hughes' partner. He is yes. Quinn Hughes' 0.5. Yeah. 
whatever you want to call him, Walmart version, whatever it is. Like yeah. he's not as good, but he plays the same yeah. game. He's still style a very, very good defenseman, yeah. but you have to you utilize his strengths. You can't play Quinn Hughes with Quinn Hughes. Right. It just it, it doesn't work out like that. Yeah. Um, but that was also the first game we got to see Carson Soucy suit up in a Canucks uniform. It was. He looked fine. Yeah. I think. He he I definitely didn't have any problems with him. I think overall for what we're paying him, pretty fair. Yep. Again, we've seen like one game. This is yeah. a tiny sample size. But I liked him. I, I definitely I I did not walk away thinking that he was the problem. No. Right? I think we do know who was the problem. Oh. And while we're on the topic of Canucks defensemen, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Jake take yeah. the first stab at this because you are already getting red in the face. I'm I'm getting I'm getting the the wrinkle. Yeah, uh, I thought it was very funny that <laughs> Elias Pettersson almost got injured from a Tyler Myers shot, and you could just tell how mad he was. Uh, but Jake, I'm gonna let you take over and talk about uh, Tyler Myers in that game. I think we should get like Vancouver boys branded punch cards. And every time Tyler Myers does something stupid, we put like another stamp on the card. And then when the card fills up, it's just, you can cash it in for the rest of his contract. Like just goodbye. See you later. Get out of here. Here's your punch card. We're going to need 82 stamps on a punch card. (laughs) (laughs) Every time he has a bad game. (laughs) Like it, it is. And here's the thing before we put it all on him, Noah Juleson, who's been his partner, yeah. he's looked terrible too. Yeah. And and there have been times where, you know, you see a bad defenseman and a good defenseman and you kind of feel bad for one or the other. I got to be honest, Juleson isn't doing himself any favors. He has not looked good at all. And I get he's like somewhat younger, but this isn't a guy that I think the Canucks should really be like focusing on to try to develop. I, I really think that this pairing is the most detrimental thing on this team right now. Of course, we look at Tyler Myers more because of how much he's paid and and all that kind of stuff. But really, the both of them just look awful. Awful. Yeah. Uh, The Canucks defense was nothing to talk about uh, in that Philly game. But you know who was to talk about? Who's that? Thatcher Demko. An insane game by him. An insane save by him. Oh, he had he had a few, but I know the one you're talking. Yeah, about. the the robbery on the I think yeah. it was a two on oh or was it a two on one? It was not a two on two on one. Two on one. Two on one. But the whole game, he played out of his mind, keeping that team from it being very well four nothing to two nothing. Yeah, he is. I, I know it was one game. I know that. That was a performance that you get from a top five goalie in the NHL. Well, I, I know it's early, but I know you like to talk about early stats. I do. They're fun. 0.953 save percentage right now. Wow. With Thatcher Demko. And one of those games was against the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. And one of those games we lost. Yeah. It's a 2.85 goals against. So obviously that's not great. Yeah. But What's you the can't save percentage again? Uh, 0.953. 0.953. Yes, he saved 61 of 64 shots. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's impressive. That's yeah. very impressive. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How many? 61 of 64. He's led That's only through two games. Yeah. Two against so Philly, one against the Oilers. Oh, I see. We're... 
the, wait a minute. Oh, right. He didn't play against the Oilers in the second. No, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was no. DeSmith. This math isn't mathing for me, but okay. That's well, right. Yeah, we, I get that. we got Marcus on the line. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you know what? That's why. Sorry. I, I know we're bouncing back and forth so much here, but I got to talk about this too. Casey DeSmith. I don't think we've had a backup goalie that I've been able to trust this much yeah. since Demko was our backup goalie. Yeah, he's looked quite good in, obviously, the small sample size. Yes. But, but well, you no know what? complaints over here. Yeah, last year, Martin looked good in no sample size, right? There was no time last year where I was like, yep, I fully trust Spencer Martin in net. Yeah. The year before that, he had his two games where uh, we had Demko and What's-His-Face were injured. Um, was that um, Halak? I, I can't even think right now. But this is very encouraging to me. That you know, if Demko misses a game here and there, we don't have to panic thinking, oh, it's over. You know, oh Demko would have had that. Demko would have had that. I think the Smith can do that. He can be that backup for us. So fingers crossed there. I, I gotta give that to him. But Demko, yeah, so far is playing very, very, very high level hockey. And I really, really hope he can keep that up this year. Well said. Uh, one guy I do want to talk about is Sam Lafferty. Out of nowhere, and he is becoming, I'm not going to say it, but he's got a little Tyler Mott-esque to him. I, I don't blame you at all for that, because I've thought the same thing. He's been really fun to watch. Yeah, J- Jake, I, I don't know how much you've seen of his game, but I'll, I'll let you go off on him a little bit more. I just, I want to remind people too, the Canucks gave up a fifth rounder for him. That's it. It's a fifth rounder to Toronto in exchange for Lafferty. Uh, Jake, what have you seen from his game so far? Yeah, well, also, like, Sam Lafferty, it wasn't like they wanted to trade him. It came down to a cap thing. They had to trade him to get him into a cap. Um, or I think they would have to put him on the waiver wire. Yeah. I think that's basically what it came down to for the uh, for the Leafs. Anyway, um, Sam Lafferty, yeah, so I didn't really realize that how much grit he has to his game. I think I touched on this last week, too. Um, but he's like, he's a lot more feisty than I thought he was going to be. Um, and obviously that goal he scored against Edmonton where he just, he just drove Matias Ekholm into the net. Basically. He just said, I don't care. I'm taking this puck to the net and just did it. And Matias Ekholm was one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And to do that to a guy of that caliber, like that's insane. Um, that would have me really excited as a fan. With that being said, um, I, didn't notice him in the Philly game. I don't even know if he played. Um, he did and play. if he did, he but, did, but he had he a 10 minute misconduct. Like, so that might've been why you missed him. Yeah. Right. And so it's too bad that he disappeared in that game. Um, Cause they really could have used that depth against the flyers, which is this the time I can bring up what I want to say about the flyers? Or yes. come back to yeah. It? No, no. Okay. I think that covers everything for the Oilers. So let's move to the flyers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what I wanted to say about the flyers game is I think that, Canucks fans have really I, I get why they're pissed off because to start the season winning two games against a cup favorite and then losing one to the projected worst team in the league like yeah that's gonna obviously warrant some negative attention with that being said the Flyers are a team where if they score even a goal they're going to shut down like defensively they're going to absolutely protect the house like, if you watched when the Canucks did have pressure, they couldn't get any shots through. The, that's the way John Tortorella plays, right? He just 
His forwards get out to every puck. They're the most aggressive box uh, penalty kill I've ever seen. Oh, they I know. They everything. It's like, it's it's really, really, really hard to score against the John Tortorella defense. It, that's always been the case. Um, and so that's why a lot of games, like, I, I get it, they're the Flyers, but they're the John Tortorella's team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's why games against his teams are always such a low-scoring affairs, right? That's why the Blue Jackets were able to bounce the Lightning, right? That's... He, he wins games that he shouldn't. That's why the Flyers didn't finish dead last last year. It's because Tortorella has a style where they score one or two goals and then they shut it down and they don't let the other team score. So, I don't know. To me, this game was more of like, almost like a money ball game, you know, where it's like, it didn't matter that the Canucks, you know, were the worst team, right? You look at the shots and you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it was just, it wasn't going to happen. Just from the drop of the puck, from the start of the game, that, you know, weak wrister from the point by the guy no one's ever heard of, Zimbruto or whatever his name is. Yeah. It, it was, that was it. And, like, that's also partly why I left, right? Like, I watched the first period and I went, okay, like, I know what's going to happen the rest of this game. So I went shopping. I came back in the third and caught the rest of the game. It was a little bit exciting and then the game was over. And and it's like, I don't know, it, it kind of sucks because, like, when you play a team like that, and you just know how the game's going to go, it's like, I don't know. I was really looking forward to that game, and then it was just kind of boring. And I think also Canucks fans need to kind of just let this one go. Just forget about it. It is what it is. You know, we're, the Canucks are playing some awesome teams coming up. The game against Tampa, which I know is going to be before this episode comes out, yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The Lightning are not good this year. So far, they're like 1-3. in three. They may even be 1-4. in four. Um, then obviously they're playing the Panthers who also have had a bit of a slow start. These are both good teams with slow starts. They're going to be really fun games to watch. The game against the Panthers is on a Saturday night. Um, and then obviously they have the Preds coming up too, and that's going to be a super fun game to watch. So what I'm getting at is forget about this one, move on. It's going to be a lot more fun. Don't get so down on yourselves and do not be hard on this team. Okay. That's my rant. I a hundred percent agree. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, versus the Edmonton Oilers are two obviously completely different teams yeah in much aspects but one I think that affected the Canucks and why they lost that game and why they didn't play so well is Philly is a very physical team going from playing the Oilers twice that is all skill no physical yeah Philly is no skill like very minimal skill and very physical very well did you guys see Delorier's hit on Pedersen yeah and what what sucked about that is no one stood up for him. Well, we don't have like that physicality really. Yeah. Like we have we have some guys. Obviously, we got a guy like Lafferty, Dakota Joshua, like yeah, a couple guys on the bottom, but like nobody, no heavyweight, uh, no, no heavyweight no, fighters, not at all. But a team like the Philadelphia Flyers does not suit the Canucks playing style. And no, I think a coach like Torres really digs into that is they're going to try to make the game as non-skill-based as possible. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's in their best interest. Yeah, right? it's, a, it's it. a smart way to play. Yeah. And obviously it worked out for the Flyers by the at the end of the day. It did. And that I'm glad you touched on that, on that physicality, because there, there's one more play that I wanted to talk about that involved the Canucks, I think, getting shafted a little bit. Did you guys see the Connor Garland goal that got called back? Yeah, that no, was... No, I did not. It was... It was weird. I, 
I didn't see it. So, okay, so to briefly describe the play, I, I'm sure a lot of listeners will have heard it. Um, Besser is kind of one foot in, one foot out of the crease. Um, he's got a defenseman, like, draped all over him. Garland comes in. I, I forget if Garland is the one who shot the puck or if someone else shot it. No, Susie. Uh, yeah, Susie. Oh, Su- sorry, you're right. Susie shot it. shot it from the point, like, from quite far back. Besser, like I said, is in the crease, be in the net front, front presence. And Connor Garland comes streaking in after the puck, like straight to the net. He's like a like a freight train, right? He's coming like a t- like the world's smallest little freight train. And I, I think a, a good thing to point out is Seuss, fuck me. Carson, Carson. Carson. <laughs> 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 call his first name. <laughs> Carson shot it from the right side, kind of at the top of the circle. Yeah. And Garland came from the left side, like the goal line. Yeah. So he shot it glove side and it kind of dropped there. And Besser was at the top of the circle with a D-man, like right next to him. So he couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So the puck hits Katahat and uh, just kind of drops right on the ground, like right in front of Carter Hart's skate, like right in front of it. Again, Besser's standing there. He he doesn't even seem to know where the puck is when you look at the replay. He doesn't know it's there. Hart hasn't gotten a chance to go down to cover it yet. Garland comes in and pokes at the puck to knock it in, but with it knocks in Carter Hart's leg because that's where the puck is. It, yeah. It's at his leg, and Carter Hart is not, like, down in the butterfly position. No, he's, he is standing straight up. He's going from left to right, not yeah. touching the top of the crease at all. He's going no. strictly from left to right. No. And Garland hit the puck and made contact with the puck before making contact with Carter Hart. Yes, but he inevitably knocks both the puck and Carter Hart into the net. Yeah. They review it, and even John Shorthouse on the commentary is like, this is a good goal. I, I don't think yeah. we have anything to worry about here. And they call it back. They, Homer. No, not, wait. <laughs> no, 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 no. This, I, I watch it over and over and over again. I watched it a few times. That, that's a Homer move. No, no, no. <laughs> I, <laughs> Did you call in and tell them that it was a good goal? No, I was, I kept watching it because I was like, there's got to be something I'm not seeing. Yeah. And at first I was like, maybe they're arguing Besser was not getting out of the way or something. But that's the thing is he had no, Carter Hart didn't go to the top of the crease. No, Besser, Besser was in the crease. There's no, there's no denying that. Yeah. But yeah, Carter Hart went from left to right, not touching the top. Right, and and Besser didn't hit him either. No, though. yeah, they didn't make contact. So, and that's what I thought it might have been. I was like, maybe something happened there. I didn't see, but once I realized the call was just on Garland, yeah, that's what got me confused because the puck is sitting loose in the crease, and it's basically underneath the skate of Carter Hart. Yeah, if you are a coach or a player or an analyst or whatever you want to call it. Connor Garland skates into that crease and then stops and stares at the puck. Yeah. You're going to go, what is that moron doing? He should poke the puck into the net because it's loose and right in front of him. Well, he's not He's not interfering with Carter Hart making the save. No, he... The, inf- the play is still live and Carter Hart is in a position to make the save. He's, he's on the puck. Yeah. It just... If you haven't seen the replay or the play we're talking about, I would highly recommend looking it up. And then cut, if you can watch that play. And then tweet play, Marcus saying that, yeah, you're right. W- watch that play and explain to me how goalie interference works. 
Because I'm convinced at this point, you could ask 20 different NHL refs and you would get 20 yeah. different answers. It's Th- this. It might be one of the most controversial calls. It is. Just because, because it is so It's opinion. subjective. Sub- subjective, that's yeah. a better term. But but when you look at this one, to me, it's not really subjective. It's It's very clear what the correct call was and I felt like they didn't make it. So between the botched penalty shot and that, which I think was a botched non-call... Maybe you're looking at a different hockey game, right? A couple bounces this way, a couple bounces that way. Maybe we're talking about the Canucks being three and zero. Well, I'm, I'm I'm right. That that's the truth. That's the that's the meat and potatoes of it. Is the and here's the thing: the reason why I'm not giving them more slack is because they didn't play well. It the Canucks did not play a good game. Flack. You, you sorry. The reason why you're not giving them more flack. No slack, like on a like on a leash. But you're being critical of them. Yeah, but I'm saying I could have been more critical by like taking the slack out of the leash. What? Okay. Just pulled the leash tight. <laughs> I don't know. What I was with you, and then I lost you. Okay. <laughs> I I don't. I've never heard of a flack. That's a new one for me. So. It's, it's the saying that I thought you were trying to say. What is flack? Define for me right now. What's flack, Jake? Flack. A publicity <laughs> agent. <laughs> what? It's a publicity agent. Publicize or promote a crass ambulance chaser who flacks himself in TV ads. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Well, I'm not interested in people who flack themselves on TV. But... <laughs> um but no seriously the the reason why i'm being so hard on this team is not because they lost it's because they didn't play well right if they i said it after the edmonton game they could have lost that game and i would have still been happy because they played well right this is the opposite definitely picked the wrong flack so that was a different flack i found the right flack Okay. This one's strong criticism. You must be strong enough to take the flack if things go wrong. Okay. <laughs> We're going to move on from flack talk. I, I, I was going to let it ride for a bit. <laughs> take this flack. <laughs> I had to flack you up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, hey, breaking news. What? Breaking news. What? Akito Hirose got sent down to the minors, and uh, Merrick Friedman got called up. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. Well, let's talk about the trade first, and then let's jump on that. So, dearly beloved, we're gathered here today (laughs) to finally say Jack Rathbone has left the Vancouver Canucks organization. He has. Thank you. Good, Press the and, button. Uh, oh, it's the yellow one. Yeah. Yay, first try. Good job. Yellow Alex. looks like people clapping. Right? It's just a happy yeah. looking colored button. Yeah. He, he did a bunch good. of clapping people. Um <laughs> pause. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is getting a little flat. Okay. Let's uh Jack Rathbone and Corel <laughs> Plastic. 
Yes, that's right. You heard it here first. Jack Rathbone and a guy you've never heard of before that you didn't know was in our organization have <laughs> yeah. been traded. For uh, Mark Friedman and Todd Glover. Yeah. So let, let's let's touch on Jack Rathbone here first. Let's, uh, let's flack around with him a little bit. We... Not strong. No. We love Jack Rathbone <laughs> on this podcast. Yes. I, I, want him, I wanted to clear that up because we're cheering about him leaving. We're not happy that he's like not playing with us like jack rathbone was an awesome defensive prospect i I like him and i wish him all the best in pittsburgh but clearly for whatever reason the canucks did not seem to think that he was going to translate with this team and they were holding him in the ahl i think he can be an nhl level player And I hope that he gets a chance to do that in Pittsburgh when he clearly wasn't going to get that here. Yeah, I it's it's going to be tough for him to crack it in Pittsburgh, but I think he'll have a better chance at cracking the roster there than he would here. I I agree. It might just depend on how management looks at him. Yeah, I just I think his game style really fits what Pittsburgh's trying to do, and it's a young, up and coming defenseman which Pittsburgh does not have. They might have the worst prospect pool in the NHL right now. Yeah, I'd be pretty depleted at this point. Uh, So I think it's a win, at least looking at it on paper, I think it's a win-win for both teams. They get a prospect, and we get what the Pittsburgh fan base, uh, there was a post in the Pittsburgh Reddit. Okay. It said, Penguins fans, how would you describe Mark Friedman's game? There was one word that pretty much everybody used. And it was the word pest. Really? Yeah, and I love that because that is what we need is a pest. I feel like you don't see a lot of defensemen that are pests. No. You know, it's usually like a, a like a middle six forward that's a pest. Uh, yeah, so this guy, I'm, I'm quite excited about this guy because for some reason, don't know why, I did a little bit of research on him. Don't ask me why. But it turns out he's just been like a shit disturber his whole life. That's awesome. Like getting in trouble at school, getting in trouble playing games. Like he's just a shit disturber. All right. And I think that's something that we could really use on the Canucks. I'd like it more on like the fourth line. Right. Because I don't know who's getting moved around on the defense. If you're going to move like Ian Cole up or Tyler Myers gets moved around or whatever. But just the fact that we have somebody like that on our team makes me really excited. Yeah, it's... It's something that this team for sure does need. But bigger than just the fact that it's a pest, we have a defenseman that I trust to be something other than offensive. Yes, and he's right-handed. Yeah, that's the big That's thing, a big right? one, too. So maybe... He checks off everything. So that's... I was c- going to touch on that. Does this change up that Hughes-Heronic pairing, right? Do we see... Now someone else playing with um, uh, with Hughes, right, on that right-hand side. Well, I think eventually when Susie gets more fitted into the team, he's eventually going to move up, play with Hughes. Right. So it'll be Hughes and Susie. Right. Then you're going to have Hronik <clears throat> uh, playing with... I don't, I don't see Friedman playing top four. I don't think I want him playing top four because another word that they used to describe him was seventh defenseman. I just didn't want to put that in there because right, it makes me a little enough, sad. Um, maybe Ian Cole playing with Ronick. And you, you got to think too, is this setting the stage for a Tyler Myers trade? 
right? Or, I think or this whole season situation. has been. Yeah. But I mean, like, you, you have to think. Like, we can talk about trading them all we want. Someone has to go in there and replace them. Yeah. You can't just send them away and then play with five defensemen. Like, you need another guy that can come in. No, but I think if you asked, if you took a poll, I think there's probably four defensemen playing on the Abbotsford team that Canucks fans would rather have than Tyler Myers up there. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why don't we talk about, or talk to our defensemen? Yes. Back to him. Yeah. Jake, uh, can you make sense of this whole thing? How do you feel about the trade? How do you feel about the lineups, where he's going to fit? What do you think? Dude, honestly, I know nothing about this guy. Okay. Um, I, I I would love to, like, dive back into this in, like, a month when we've seen him a little bit. Yeah. Um. So, But all I can really say is I can talk about Jack Rathbone. And training camp this year gave me such a comprehensive understanding of what and who Jack Rathbone is that I feel like I can kind of talk on this a little bit. Yeah, do it, dude. So to me, Jack Rathbone looked the best he's ever looked in September. He was moving the puck well. He was defensively responsible. He was he looked like he was in great shape the whole time he was flying. But because of the style of game he plays, he's never going to crack those top two spots because Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick are above him. And they probably always will be. And so this was literally a trade for him. He wasn't going to get the opportunities in Vancouver um, because they've committed to those guys long-term. Or they've committed to Quinn Hughes long-term, and they more than likely will commit to Phil Bronick. So this was kind of saying to Jack Rathbone, you know, we believe in you, but um, we don't have the space for you. And so here's an opportunity for you elsewhere. And then them looking at, Assessing their needs, you know, obviously they have worst player in the NHL on their decor and they need to find a way to make him less of a burden. And so they're trying to find players to, you know, throw in the mix. And hopefully this guy ends up fitting the bill or maybe he'll play somewhere else in the lineup and they can put Tyler Myers with Carson Soucy or whoever. Right. Or Ian Cole and they can babysit him there on the third line. Yeah. But. Like I said, we're going to have a better understanding in like a month of how this guy does. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I can't see him being any better than Matt Irwin. So we will see. I don't know. I, I it, From this trade, I'm more excited about Friedman than I am Jack Rathbone, if I'm being honest. Yeah, well. Just for team fit. What they did was they traded someone who could, could, or might not, but could be very good in the future and could be someone who cracks that NHL roster as, as a legitimate offensive defenseman. They traded someone who could become that for someone who we know doesn't have a high ceiling, but they're NHL ready now, right? And this team, we talked about it at nausea. They are in win-now mode. They've committed to it. It doesn't matter whether we think they should or not. They have. This move aligns with that. And because they've committed to it, I'm glad they did it. Would I have done things differently? Probably. Right? Not uh, like for sure. Yeah, I would have done things differently. But I'm glad they're at least committing to something. Right? Because what sucks is when they make moves that contradict themselves. Right? When they say they want to get younger and then they trade for an older guy. Or, or when they say they want to get more prospects, but then they give away draft picks. Right? This is a move that lines up with what they've been telling us they're going to do. 
and I'm I'm just glad that they're committing to something. Yeah. Um, and, and I wish all the best for Jack Rathbone, too. Yeah. Th- this isn't one of those trades where I'm like, oh, if we lose this, I'm going to be so mad. Clearly, this management wasn't going to give Jack Rathbone the look he, he thinks he deserves. I'm glad he's going somewhere new where hopefully they'll see him in a different light, and I hope he can become the player that he thinks he can be. Because he was... Yeah, and I got to give him this, too. What an amazing ambassador for Abbotsford hockey. He was a total fan favorite down there. He was kind of, I don't want to say like the face of the team, but he's been that ever since they've come to Abbotsford. You know, he's been like one of the top two or three guys that you think of when you go to an Abbotsford game. I hope that he gets to do as much as he wants to do with his career. And I I hope that uh, Abbotsford got to appreciate him while he was here, which I know they did. Yeah, well said. And uh, I think we got to move it along because yep. the first half is getting pretty long. So there's only one more story that I think we got to touch on. Okay. And that's Connor Garland trade talks. Yeah. So there's been some more coming out about this whole trading scenario. And it looks like originally we thought Connor Garland wanted out. And it's starting to look like Vancouver wants Connor Garland out. It's more of a cap move. They're willing to retain 30% of his salary, apparently. Which is going to equal out to about one point five million for three years, and yeah. so a couple teams came out as potential trade partners, and one of those teams was Mister Jake Jude's. Mm-hmm. We yeah, man. There, there's no way we're going to do this without like I, I want to cut straight to this because I've been wanting to ask you this question for a few days now, but I've intentionally Dante saved Fabro. it. Yeah, Dante Fabro. Mm-hmm. The hometown kid. He is a Coquitlam kid, is he not? Yes. I, I, I anyway. I he's definitely like lower mainland, but I, I had I think he's from Coquitlam. Uh, local boy. Local certified local boy. Jake, what are your thoughts on a Connor Garland and Dante Fabro trade? Because you are quite uniquely qualified to talk about these two players. Yeah. Um. Dante Fabro is an interesting case because I think that if you had, if he was a free agent and he had the chance to pick anywhere to go to develop his game, I think he would pick Nashville. It's just such, it's been such a good fit for him. He's, he's, he plays the style of game that they play, but for whatever reason, he's never really broken through. And my knee-jerk reaction is to say, yeah, that's because Nashville can't develop their goddamn prospects. But defensively, they've always been able to. So I'm curious, because I'm looking at this from the perspective of a Canucks fan. Do you want a defenseman from a team that's had sky-high potential for the better part of a decade that's never really been able to put all the pieces together? Or do you want a proven forward who maybe makes a little bit too much money, but would definitely round out the bottom six. So for me, I think I'd actually want to hang on to Garland. I think that Fabro, although he would be a solid defenseman and a solid addition to the decor, I don't really know if he's the the right piece to bring in, especially if you're giving up a player of Garland's um, pedigree. 
I okay. I, I see where you're coming from. I think there's there's a couple big things about Fabro that Canucks fans see and almost stop thinking. They just think we need him, right? They look at the fact that he's 25 years old, which is like for for me anyway. That is perfect. 25 is like right in the middle of where a lot of our team's ages. That's where their competitive window is. So it makes total sense to bring someone that age in. There's the fact that he's he's quite. I think he's known as a two-way defenseman. Maybe you can... Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. No, yeah. You're, you're bang on. He's a two-way defenseman. Okay. And the big thing, the big, massive, huge thing is he's a right-shot defenseman, right? Which also, it makes him more valuable, so it's harder to trade for him. But when you look at this team, man, it would be harder to figure out a bigger weakness in, in our team than that. Um. Obviously, we have Heronic who plays the right side now, but Dante Fabro, man, I, I think I think the big difference, the the reason why Canucks fans and myself included are going to look at Fabro right away and think we could use him more than Garland, is because Garland I feel like is more replaceable within our own organization. Like there's guys mm-hmm. we can move up and down the lineup, and I'm not I'm not saying we could call a guy from Abbotsford and he would put up the same production as Connor Garland, but we have guys that can play that role quite well, right? And and can be good additions to the core that we have. On defense, we don't really have that as much, right? There's no right shot defensemen that we can bring up that are in again aging into that competitive window with our team that we can go, yeah, we we can depend on that guy in specific situations. Whereas with Fabro, I, I think we really could. Okay. Um, I can look at this from the perspective of a Preds fan now. And, Please do. Okay. So from the perspective of being a Preds fan, the trade doesn't really make sense to me either because I think that the Preds, first of all, I don't even really understand why they're looking at Garland in the first place. I mean, they have players that are of a similar skill level and, like, they have Gustav Nyquist, who I consider to be very similar to Connor Garland. Um, also, they have guys like Keeper Sherwood, who kind of is the next-generation type player of Connor Garland, kind of coming up in to fill that spot. Yuso Perinen, something like that. The young Finnish guy they got in, like, the seventh round in 2019. Mm. Like, they've got these younger guys who I think can fill that spot. So it just doesn't make sense to me why they would want to bring in Connor Garland, especially if the ask is, you know, one of their more dependable um, horses on the back end. Like Dante Fabro is not going to go out there and get you a whole bunch of points. Like he's just not, I think he had like nine points last year and he played damn near every game. Like, but um, he's dependable and like every team needs a Chris Cannon, right? Like I, I don't, and like you said, he's 25, so he's going to be around for so I, I don't, I don't know. It just, it doesn't make sense to me from either side, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. Maybe they pull the trigger, but I don't see it happening for, uh, from a predator's perspective, especially. Well, we always take into consideration a predator's perspective. <laughs> Pause. Uh, the Preds were not the only team rumored to be in on Garland. There's actually four teams. It's the Preds, the Caps, Columbus, and the Islanders. Like, do you do Garland for Horvat one for one? <laughs> okay, we're going to break. Marcus is getting way too delusional. No, we're jumping. Oh, that's that, true. And you put it up this week. I did. I did. I remembered to put up an inbox. 
Yes. Hmm? Let's jump into the inbox. Little uh, little thing for the future. Wait, you're the button guy now. I'm the button guy. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't hit it again. We already hit it. It's okay. No, no. Leave it alone, Alex. Don't don't touch the Alex. Fuck's sake. Got the right one. (sighs) We're in the inbox. Here we are, Zach. What do you think the Garland trade looks like? We don't know. (laughs) We we were just talking. We were just talking about it from the only perspective I think we are capable of talking, which would be from the Preds' perspective because we have a fan from that team. You know what? I'll do one small, small thing to elaborate. Jake, as a Preds fan, at like as a Preds fan, I'm completely asking for your opinion on this. If if this trade were to happen, Garland goes to Vancouver, or sorry, Garland goes to Nashville, Fabro comes back to Vancouver. What's so funny over there? That's <laughs> one of the questions. Sorry. <laughs> continue. Wait, what do you mean? One of the questions in the inbox, sorry. Yeah, sorry, continue. Okay, I was just going to say, from your perspective, what else would need to come? Because obviously, I think the Canucks, on top of retaining the, what whatever it is, $1.3 million on his salary, probably have to throw something else in there. Because I think, again, Dante Fabro as a young right ha- right shot defenseman who's a two-way guy what what do the Canucks have to add to make that trade fair do you think you know what's funny is I think it depends on what time of the season I think right now um maybe like Jack Stanika or you know one of the depth guys um okay. would probably be what they're looking for but if, it's, if we're talking two or three months from now, picks and prospects. <laughs> okay. So, like, like um, what what level of picks are are you talking about? I mean, I'd love to say a second, but I don't think that's going to happen. So let let's um, say, I, and the reason I'm asking this is I'm going to put up a poll on our Instagram to see because obviously our uh, our fan base is more Canucks followers. I want to mm-hmm. see if they would do that. We have Garland. With $1.3 million per year retained, plus mm-hmm. let's call it a third rounder. Let's be like yeah. as realistic as we can. Both of those for Dante Fabro, no salary retained, just just good old Dante Fabro. No special additions well, or anything like Dante that. Dante Fabro only makes two and a half. So, yeah. So, well, yeah, okay, fair enough. But like still. Um, I'm going to put up a poll to see if Canucks fans would do that. And I'm not even going to give my take on it because I don't want to influence their picks. But I'm going to ask them if, if they would do that exact trade. I'll, I'll put that up probably over the weekend. Okay. Should players get their own goal songs for the regular season only? I Yes. No. Did you not see the <laughs> clip of Jeff Skinner scoring? I, I didn't, actually. I did not. Uh, I'll show um, you it during the break. It is amazing. Okay. Jake, what, what's your thoughts on that? I kind of talked about this last week. I don't get the whole obsession with players and their goal songs yeah, or teams and their goal songs. Like, I don't know. I, like, I get it when you go to games. Like, it's fun and da-da-da. But, like, most hockey fans, especially ones that live in Winnipeg, can't afford to go to games anymore. So, it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of depressing for me to think about, especially because I know I'm not going to any this year. Yeah, it's that's just true. like I, I don't know. It really sucks to talk about. Like, yeah. Anyway, 
I, I get it. I get it. I, the reason I vote no is because I think a lot of people forget the Canucks actually tried this one year. This must have been like, I want to say 2015, because the Sedins were still playing at the time, and Radim Verbata was on the team. Don't ask me why I remember that. I, I feel like it was 2015-16. The Canucks tried personalized goal songs. And the big thing is everyone's like, oh, yeah, do it like in baseball, in baseball. Well, you know what the difference is between hockey and baseball? In baseball, when someone hits a home run, you know exactly who hit it. And you've known who is going to hit it for a while, right? No one no one gets up to bat and you're like, oh, did that tip off someone? Oh, did that hit someone else on the way in? Or who, who's on the ice right now? There's one guy at bat. If he gets a home run and you play a, or their walk-up song or their home run song, I don't really know how baseball works with with music. <laughs> uh, sorry, I know how baseball works. I don't know. I don't. I don't follow the the DJ through an MLB game. I don't know what they do, but you have time to make that decision. You already know what's going to happen. In hockey, you don't, and that makes it very messy because then you end up playing the wrong guy's goal song because you didn't see someone else tipped it in, or someone just came off on a line change and you couldn't find the button fast enough. It just gets messy, and to me, it, it's it's a little bit part of the identity of the team. It's that it's that old saying from uh, Miracle on Ice where the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back. The name on the front of the jersey gets its own goal song. You get that goal song because you play on that team. That that has always been how I felt about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the one I was laughing about. Okay. Uh, fuck, Mary kill. Oh, okay. Rocket Besser, six three sorrows, <laughs> or Twisted Tyler. <laughs> um, I had a good chuckle at that one. Wow, that's I'm I'm not going to answer that, but thank you for sending us that. Was that the memes guy? No. What? That was Connor. Well, Connor. Please don't ever put a submission in the inbox again. That that is terrifying. Oh God, Jake. What about you? What do you think? <laughs> we're gonna. We're, I, I think we should just elect Jake to answer this question. I like that idea. Yep. What? Do I have to? Yes. Like, what? Okay. Well, I don't even want to entertain the idea of doing anything but killing Twisted Tyler. So. <laughs> I love the man, but absolutely not. <laughs> um, six three Besser. I mean, I can still make no, no, uh, no, 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 no. You can't even imagine Saros being tall. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, six that, three must be someone else. <laughs> Couldn't have been you know, I, I can make that work. Six, six three is a good height. I can make that work. I'll marry six three Saros, and then I guess uh, fucking what was it? what did he call it? Rocket Besser. Rocket yep. Besser. Yeah, well, he's good for a night, so. Sure. There you go. Uh, after that one, I think we got to go to break. Yes, please. Dear God. Oh, great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll let the, <laughs> let the listeners let that one sink in. Yeah. Um, we will uh, come back on the other side with a goof of the week, some NHL news, and Alex's thoughts right after the break, and a little bit of trivia. So stick around for that. Okay, uh, I got a trivia for us. Okay, trivia. Okay, perfect. Let's do it. I need you to give me the top five face-off win percentages 
for players that have played over 200 games in a Canucks uniform? Bo Horvat. Or Bo Horvat. Number two. Um, Henrik Sedin. Nope. Daniel? Nope. Oh, oh, Manny Maholtra. Yes. Manny Maholtra did not play over 200 games in the Canucks uniform. What? He is number one on the list. But he only played 159 games. Wow. For as, as like known of a name as he is, I didn't realize yeah. his time here was that short. Yeah, I was quite surprised well, by that. He was injured. He yeah. was here for a long time, but he was injured. Oh, um, Trevor Linden? Yep, number three. Pavel Dimitra? Uh, no. Uh, oh, um, who centered that line? Uh, Brendan Morrison? <laughs> nope. Can you give us wait? How many are we missing? Three, three. We we have. Can um, you give us? Sorry. Can you give us the like the decades? I know all of these players. <laughs> so okay, so no one from the seventies or eighties is what you're saying. Um, is there anyone from the nineties? No, two thousands and above. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, no Brendan Morrison. I'm trying to think. I don't think Nasland was the face-off guy. <laughs> is it? Is is Pedersen on there? No. No, he he his thing is. Oh, J T Miller. J T Miller, number one. Really, fifty-five point one. Wow, percent. Yep. That's the top ever. Well, sixty percent. Ryan Malhotra. Oh, right. And then Jay Beagle, but he's only played 142 games. It's crazy that being the best in the entire franchise history is only 60%. You'd think it would be higher than that. I mean, he, he took two, 2,200 face-offs. Wow. <laughs> I mean, well, Bo yeah. Horvat took 12,000. Like uh, Ryan Kessler. Ryan Kessler, number uh, four. So we're just missing so, number five? Yep. Yeah. And the guys above him, so... I, the reason I cut out, I said over 200 because the four guys above uh, all played like around 150 games or less. So that would be Malhotra, Jay Beagle, Mark Messier, and then Kyle Wellwood. Kyle, Kyle Wellwood. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't think you guys would get that. No. So I was like, yeah, I'll make it more interesting. Weird thing about Kyle Wellwood is I met him at an alumni thing once for the Canucks. Mm. He looked so out of place because he's like 20 years younger than anyone else there yeah he it, it was just really weird kyle wellwood i'm gonna take a shot in the dark here was it sammy paulson never heard of the guy me either he was uh he was on the ducks cup winning team and then he came to vancouver in like 2010 he was here for a couple seasons mostly a penalty kill guy but mm. he did he did win a lot of face-offs hmm. yeah, yeah i i can't say i i remember him um yeah, you got me stumped on that fifth one there, man. I don't know. I think we'll uh, we'll have to come back to that one at the end of the episode, and we'll, we'll see if we can figure it out then. You're listening to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. That's her name. Don't wear it out. Man, we got to sign this guy to a 6x6. Six six. Tampa Bay was $18 million over the salary cap. UC Soros is the best goalie in the NHL. And welcome back to the second half, everybody. I'm glad you're still listening. I hope you're still listening. If anyone heard that, they're listening. Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. Uh, it's time for my favorite part of the show. Marcus's favorite part of the show. Jake, is it your favorite part of the show? 
No, it's not. <laughs> okay, well, it's your part of the show. It's Jake's goof of the week. <laughs> what a goof! We played it. That's right. Welcome to the biggest goof of the week. That's right. It's my part of the show. My segment where I go to find a story that involves a player, coach, team, organization, whatever. What have you? Bring up the story with the guys in the chat about it. And this week, the biggest goof of the week. Uh, seven point seven two, Jake. Oh, you timed me. Yeah. Um. So I, <laughs> the biggest goof of the week this week isn't really a story. It's just something I saw that I thought was goofy. So I'm going to bring it up. Okay, so it's more of so, like a whatever, what have you. It's a whatever, what have you, for sure. So, okay. okay, so you know how in the NHL, if your team has a delayed penalty, the ref puts his arm in the air. I have heard and of then, this. And then if your team is like, so the other team has the puck, you haven't touched the puck yet, and then you commit another penalty, what does the ref do? Does he put his other arm up? Like, like how does he signify that there's another delayed penalty? Do we know? Because oh, I don't know the answer to this question. I think you blow it dead when there's a second penalty taken. There's no way that that's the right answer. I thought that's what it was. Maybe I think, I'm wrong. I think then the other ref has to call it, and then the team, the other team has to pull their goalie. So you get to go seven on five, and they have no <laughs> okay. goalie. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Well, that's stupid. But I, I honestly, I don't think there is anything. I think it's just the ref just continues to have his arm in the air, and then he just calls them both when the play, uh, when the when the defensive team touches the puck or the whistle blows. Anyways, in the NFL, however, there is a way for them to show multiple penalties on the same play. Don't they just throw in the flag? You would think, right? But no. Because in the, uh, I think it was the Sunday night game, um, there was a, a huge like scrum that kind of broke out, and the ref threw his flag for unnecessary roughness. But then he noticed another infraction, and so he threw his hat. <laughs> he took, he took his Kicked the ground. Hat his, and this is like actually what they do. They throw their flag, and then they throw their hat. And it's like, it's like what they do. And that just blew me away. I couldn't believe that that was a legitimate thing that happens. But it is. And I thought it was goofy and I wanted to bring it up. That's kind of funny. <laughs> they don't just have a second flag? <laughs> I guess not. They just throw their hat if they see something else. You see the refs just <laughs> chucking their helmets at guys now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't throw it in the air. You throw it at the guy who committed the penalty. <laughs> But, like, I'll go back to that, too. Imagine a ref skating at, like, full tilt in an NHL game with both hands, like, straight up in the air. Could you imagine if he <laughs> fell? He'd die. <laughs> have nothing to protect you. Even, how would you even build momentum skating that way with both your arms up in the air? I sure couldn't just, do it. Just lean forward. <laughs> like a torpedo. <laughs> you put your arms together like the point of a missile. Exactly. <laughs> Peak aerodynamics there. Yeah. But yeah, isn't that so goofy? Like they throw their hat. Marcus, do you think you could ever be a referee in football? You know, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Biggest scoop of the week. <laughs> Biggest scoop of the week is uh, and 
NFL rep. No. <laughs> That's brutal. Okay. <laughs> That's a good goof, Jake. Um, okay. I have another story I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I was going to say, go let's bring it, it back. Jake, it. there was something we didn't talk about in the first half that you wanted to talk about. So what was it? Yeah, so um, so uh, before the season started this year, um, I brought up an idea that I wanted to kind of check in on some players and see how their seasons were going throughout the year. And the one that I had talked about was none other than Mr. Johannathan Lecker-Mackey. Right. And so what I've done is I've gone on and I've looked at his stats thus far in the, uh, in the league that he is playing in. And before we get started here, I'll ask you some questions about him. Do you know what team and league he plays in? Uh, he is in the SHL, is he not? He is, yes. This is his first season playing in the SHL uh, full-time. Yeah, last year I believe he played some playoff games in the SHL, but did he was not a regular throughout the season. So, so it looks like to me he played in the... The, the leagues in Sweden are a bit odd. I, I can't really commit to knowing exactly what it means, mm-hmm. but it looks like to me he played in the SHL 26 games in 2021-2, and then he got sent down to the juniors, which is two leagues below, and then he got called up to the B League, the S, the Sweden 1 League, okay. and played 29 games there. So, uh, But this year he is in the SHL, yes, that's right. Do you know what team he's playing on? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. I believe they have blue and red jerseys. The Smirkisberg of S- S- Stockholm. Yeah, actually, he is playing for the Smirkisberg of Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, was, Marcus was like shocked when he said, yeah, actually, you got it right. He was like, no way this guy actually plays for the Smirkisberg of Stockholm. <laughs> It, it was one of those things where it sounded like obviously so wrong, but in such a Swedish way that it could have been right. It's like when what? I like it sounded Swedish enough that like with enough convincing, I could have believed. Do you know what Smurgisberg is? Obviously, not a town in Sweden. No, it's like a it's like a uh, like a shepherd's pie. Oh no! How it, no one knows that. Alex. Yeah, so it's like instead of like uh, the filling for a shepherd's pie, so yeah. it's like the pie. Yeah, and then it's uh, it's it's carrots. Oh, uh, so you have to stay far away. Yeah, from so this. I don't have it. So it's carrots, uh, <laughs> celery. Sounds like poison. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I know what it is because I had to look it up to make sure I don't accidentally eat it. <laughs> Uh, it's it's carrots, celery, yams, uh, and then it's yogurt with what the f- no yeah with I think it's chorizo. Oh, this is uh, the worst sounding food I've ever heard. I don't know. I'm making this up. <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna see how long I could go until you guys caught on. Uh, okay, what team does he play for? He plays for. Orobro HK, um, which I guess at this point now it just seems like an unnecessary detail. That's what he plays for. <laughs> anyway, and um, through 10 games, I'd love for you guys to guess his entire stat line. I want goals, assists, penalties, and plus minus. Ooh. Ooh, I'll go. 
10 games. I'll go four goals, three assists, 10 penalty minutes, and he's Whoa. a plus minus of one. Uh, which, I, which way? Plus or minus one? Plus one. Okay. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to say that me and him share the same stat line. We both have four goals, no assists. And <laughs> um uh what am I at now? 8 penalty minutes. I think you're at 10 though. I might be at 10 penalty minutes. Um and yeah. oh, plus minus has got to be pretty close to like minus <laughs> 1. Okay. Um well, you guys are kind of close. Um, what would you say he would need to be at to be like kind of impressive through 10 games? Seven goals, five assists. Whoa. And I don't wow. Care so over minus. a point per game. Yeah. You, like, yeah if I want to impress impressed... me after 10 games, 15 points. Yeah. If I want to be <laughs> impressed, fucking do that. You're not in the NHL. You should be by now. I, I was going to say point per game would be great. If he has even 11 points, I'd be thrilled. And even if those were four goals, six assists, I would say that's great. Okay. Well, his stat line is, is through 10 games, he has five goals. Okay. Two assists for seven points. He's got eight penalty minutes, but he has a plus four on the season so far. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty so, good. No, it's not. Yes, it it's, is. It's not. He, you know, here's the thing. He's playing in the SHL, which is the highest league in Sweden. And he's got, you know, he's not quite a point per game. Obviously, seven points through ten games isn't a point per game. But he's got a pretty decent points per game average. I would say that, like, this is promising. We thought he was a bust. This isn't bust territory. This is, like, slowly developing territory. We also have to remember, this kid is 19 years old. He was born in 2004. Let's just remember that. When did we draft him? How was he 19? There's no way he's 19. We drafted him in 2022. Did we really? um, Yeah, 15th overall. His birthday is July 24th, 2004. He just turned 19 like three months ago. I don't know why. I thought we drafted him in like 2020. No. No, it was pretty recent. Like this is... Those okay, I take I take my I take my comments back about. To me, yeah. that is perfectly acceptable numbers for a player of yeah. that age in, in Sweden's number one hockey. Yeah, league. I, I take it back. I would say it's not impressive, but it's I'm happy impressive. with it. It's impressive, Jake. You've also ruined me for the spelling of Jonathan because I typed it into Google to get some stats on him. <laughs> you putting Johanathan, man. <laughs> I, I didn't realize how many A's and N's were in this. It's like writing out banana, but even worse. It's just like anana nana nan. Johanna nana. I would love to see how you spelled lecker Mackey then. Um act, uh, I was closer than you'd think. I was just missing a couple K's, some E's. And, uh, I hope not too many. Well, I went. Do you have the correct spelling in front of you? I do. <laughs> okay, well, I spelt it, and this was just a guess, and Google knew who I meant. Um, I spelt it L-A-K-E-R-M-A-K-I. Okay. Short a few letters, but I get it. Missed a few Ks, missed a few of those weird little dots that Swedish people put on top of their letters, but that, uh-huh. that's about it. Um, that sounds pretty good, though. I'm happy to hear he is progressing that well. Uh, I'd like to point out, too, Elias Defenserson not doing so bad over there either. 
So that's pretty cool. Do you want to go into further detail about that or no? No, I don't have numbers, but I've heard he's doing quite well. So. Okay. Add a boy. Well, I'll see if I can pull them up as quick as possible here. Sure. Okay. Well, okay. So Elias Defenserson yeah. is also 19. His birthday is a little bit earlier than uh, good old Johannathan's. Um, so he is playing for the same team. They're he teammates? also plays. Yeah, he also plays for Arrow. Or the Smirkisburg Star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Smirkisburg Um, But he it looks like he got sent down, or maybe he's bouncing back and forth between the A and the B team. Mm. So he has played four games for Orbro, and he's played five games for Vostris, which I guess is their B team. Vostris. Um, at the SHL level, he has nothing. No goals, no assists, no points, no penalty minutes, and he's dead even on plus minus. So I would be interested to see what his time on ice is through those four games. Right. I don't have that stat in front of me. Um, but at the B level, which I don't really know if this means anything, but at the B level, he has four assists through five games. No goals, but he's a defenseman, so whatever. Um, so he's got, yeah, four goals. Or sorry, four assists, four penalty minutes, and he's a plus two. Well, that really? sounds pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, he's not, like, they didn't draft him for his points, right? They drafted him because he's kind of a reliable, uh, tough defenseman, right? Yeah, he was also a third rounder. Let's not forget that either, right? It's not like this guy was yeah. supposed to be the next big thing, right? If this guy even makes it to the NHL, I'm thrilled. That's That's a successful third round pick. Yeah. yeah, I just think we all want him to make it so bad so that Shorty has to figure yeah. out a way to tell them apart, right? Like, oh, um, I heard uh, because he's Elias Defenseman Pedersen. Uh, Jake, you'll appreciate mm-hmm. this. Some people have said we'll just call him EDP. So. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. Oh, <laughs> Why'd you say Jake would like this? Because J- Jake actually, I-, I won't go into it because it's a deep security risk, but he has told me that <laughs> there have been some um, some online passwords made with uh, with reference <laughs> okay, to just that. Stop. Oh my stop. Jesus, Jake. <laughs> Wow. Okay, well, welcome to the last episode ever. (laughs) Um, Dialing inmate number 423 of the Nanaimo Penitentiary. Inmate 445. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, you, you missed that one. That was that was a yeah, that's a that, good one. Yeah, yeah. Was right there, Alex. Right there. What's funny is how close you came to almost doing it by accident. <laughs> but um, no, wow. There, we have two kinds of listeners too. To, some that are like, "That's kind of funny," and some that are like, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> I like to think that everyone thinks, what are they talking about? There, there might be a third type out there going, I'm I'm unsubscribing from this podcast. I don't need to do this every week. Um, okay, we moving should, on. We've got to yeah, have stuff. Yeah, well, there is. So news has just broken out a couple of days ago. Uh, they recently took poll 
on the, I guess, the most wealthy NHL players in the league right now or, like, uh, worth the most money? Okay. And you guys want to take a guess at who came number one? Phil Kessel. No, it was not Phil Kessel. <laughs> it was... Oh, sorry, Marcus. Do you no, want to guess? No, I I don't really have any good ones. I was gonna say I don't know how much Audi paid Elias Pettersson for those commercials, yeah. but uh, <laughs> no, it was Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, after acquiring the Nashville Predators <laughs> franchise, becoming the new owner <laughs> after the last twelve games faced, having twenty two goals with twelve assists, going to thirty four points in twelve games. He's recently been announced as the new owner of the Nashville Predators. Jake, how does it feel to have a new owner of your franchise? (laughs) I'm really sorry. Marcus brought this to me and asked me to do something with it. That was the best by far. By far. The best transition into a topic I've ever heard. <laughs> it really worked because he guessed too. <laughs> oh, did he hang up? He's gone. He's oh, not he on the up. phone anymore. I was like, how has he not chimed into this yet? Oh, okay. There's, there's no way we made him that angry, but we, we've actually lost Jake. I'm calling him back right now, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know what happened there. We're, uh, we're... okay. I think. Sorry, we, hey, sorry I lost a uh, connection there. Oh, yeah, oh no, boy, no problem, buddy. I don't know when you hung up, but it took us a while to figure it out. We. <laughs> Did you catch yeah. Alex's whole spiel, or, or when when did you leave us there? No, I uh, didn't hear anything that he said. Anyway, do we have any other stories we want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we have fun here. <laughs> I would like to point out that I got hosed for saying Austin Matthews was going to win the Rocket this year. You did. Austin Matthews is averaging a hat trick a game right now. Have they? Have the Leafs still only played two games? As of right now, yeah, yeah they've they only played three. two games. No, they, they, they played three? Yeah, they, they, played three? they lost to Chicago. Let me get my facts like straight. A f- yeah, you better get your facts straight. So, he's uh, still uh, leading the NHL. He, yeah, he probably is. Uh, but he's, n- he's not going to win the Rocket, though. I think he's scoring at a completely unsustainable pace. I, I don't see any reason... Uh, for, f- to to bank on that right now. Yeah, all. it would be crazy for somebody to score a hat trick or let's say four goals, and then say that they were going to win the rocket. Right? That no, does well, seem well, crazy. I mean, no, but that does seem crazy. Especially imagine if it was just one game into the season. No, I can see one game in thinking that that he would be able to keep that up. Yeah, but doing it twice in a row, it's like now there's no way. Now this guy's just going to fall off. Ah, of course. Yeah, which which I predicted correctly and he did. Ah, fair enough. Yep. Austin Matthews certified bomb. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I don't even Let's talk about Connor Bedard and the amount of media attention this kid is getting. Is it's, it? It's insane. 
Are you, it is insane. Are you sick of it yet? A little bit, and I feel bad for him. Like, uh, let me let me find it. One of the here it is. Uh, the BR app, uh, the which what? is the BR app. Isn't that the noise a Subaru makes when it drives by? Brap. Shut the fuck up. So this is, a, I guess, an app. I, I know the Instagram the account. Shut the fuck up. Wait. Isn't that Bleacher Report? Yeah, Bleacher Report. Um, so yeah, so their app, they had, uh, somehow, Alex, man, what? pull it together, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, <brap>. <laughs> <laughs> he just whip out brap on my phone real quick. <laughs> Okay, the Bleacher right, Report well, app. Uh, there we go. Through one of these Chicago games, or it was the Chicago versus Boston game. They had cameras that are, would follow Connor Bedard the whole game. Wow. On the bench, on the ice, no matter what. Just following him bench. the whole entire game. And you could join in whenever. Every single game, or every single time he leaves the ice, he has reporters following him. Off of a practice, off of a game, when he shows up to practice, when he shows up to a game. He has reporters following him nonstop. He has cameras on him nonstop. This kid's 18 years old. I'm worried that this is going to burn him out before we even get to, like, halfway through the season. Yeah, I mean, like, McDavid was obviously very hyped when he came into the league. But I don't remember it being this not bad. Not this much attention. Okay, so what's what's the difference then? Well, social media. What's the major? No, no, no. What's the major difference between when McDavid came into the league and now? I would say social media. No, I don't think at all. Actually, I think social media was just as prevalent then as it is now. I mean, obviously more now, but that's just because of the times. But we still had it then. But think about it: when McDavid came into the league versus Bedard coming into the league, what's the main difference? Uh, McDavid played for a Canadian team. Bedard. Bingo. Bedard is in a yeah. huge market. Yep. yep, that's that is the answer, right? Think I, about Batman. No, like, I don't think so. Yeah, I think okay, Edmonton's well. a bigger market, or at least no, no, immediately wrong. No, you think Chicago's a bigger market still after all mm-hmm. that they went through? Well, I mean, there, there's all the rumors, right? That like the whole reason that Chicago ended up with him might have been because the NHL wanted to make sure they but didn't lose that. Market. This isn't the this isn't the Blackhawks doing all this. This is all the reporters. This is the NHL. This is anybody yeah. covering the NHL. Like, that's the thing. Like, him going to, or McDavid going to Edmonton versus Connor Bedard going to Chicago. Like, Edmonton is, per, like, out of the city, I think, more dedicated to hockey than Chicago is. There's nothing else to do in Edmonton. Okay, I, I get where you're coming also from a, there. Yeah, it's also Canadian market. But you have to look at the population, though, man. Chicago has so many people living in it, right? And they are coming off of, like, not super recently, but w- within recent memory, a dynasty, or what a lot of people call a dynasty of an NHL team, right? The whole three cups in six years thing, we've heard it a lot. Yeah. They've created... 
Sorry? The post-salary cap dynasty. Yeah, that's right. They've created a massive market for themselves in Chicago. And yeah, they started to lose it when the team got bad and all the, that stuff started coming out. But now what they've done is they've basically gone, hey, hey, look at this guy. This could be the next dynasty. You want to see that, right? And everyone's losing it. But I will give you that, that you're right. It's not just the fans. We're talking about the media, the reporters, everyone. They can't get enough of this kid. And it's too bad because you're right. He does, he seems, I don't want to say like overly shy, but like he's not someone who craves the spotlight or anything. You know, he's not like a big personality coming in here talking all big. He's just, he's just a kid, you know? And I, yeah, I hope that, I hope that it does tone down because I, I feel like right now he is just, he's living under the world's most dialed in microscope. Like every single thing he says, every single thing he does is analyzed. I saw a video on TikTok someone made about how mad he was after a game because he got a, an empty net goal. I think that was against Detroit, if I remember correctly. It was like his third game ever. And I guess it showed a few clips of him beforehand where he, he'd shot but didn't score. And then he scored on the empty net and he didn't celebrate. And they translated that into, well, he's, he's mad that he didn't score on a goalie. He's mad about that goal. He didn't even want to score it. Look at him. He's miserable. It's like, holy Christ, dude. They just scored on an empty net with like two seconds left in the game. It didn't mean anything. He's not celebrating because even though he's new to the league, it's not a super celebratable goal. You know, it didn't mean anything. So I, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for him. I, I agree with what you're saying. Either you guys got anything? Or I mean, I said my two, I don't, I don't know what the term is. Two cents. Yeah, two cents about the topic. Black. I, <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's I think it's a little too much. I think it's gonna burn him out. And I just I don't get why why he's getting so much attention. I mean I do, but I think it's too much. I think it is. Um obviously there was a lot of home openers. Yep. Uh, one of the maybe more interesting home, home openers was the Winnipeg Jets home opener. Mm. Did you guys hear about this? I did hear the story, but you, you should probably say it anyway. Yes. There were about 2,000 empty seats for the Winnipeg Jets home opener and also Pierre-Luc Dubois' return to Winnipeg. Not a great start to the season. For a team that just resigned two of their biggest pieces, trying to seems like make a statement that you know they're committed, they're going to try to make playoffs. Doesn't seem like the fans are very committed to this team. They've lost a team once. Is it crazy to say that they could lose a team twice? I know, I know that's a big jump, but well, is it crazy? I mean, Atlanta did it. Yeah, they lost a team twice. Um. Honestly, I think we looked at this. I know I know I made a little post about it before. It's hard right now for a lot of people, a lot a lot to validate even buying hockey tickets with the cost of living being as expensive as it is right now. Right? When when you look at Winnipeg too, 
I don't want to call it a lack of commitment or bandwagoning, but yeah, you look at the team right now and you know they're not going to do anything. Right? They're probably not a playoff team. If they do make it, they're barely going to make it. They don't seem to have the makings of a core or or any like young developing talent that's going to really carry the next generation of Winnipeg Jets. I think it's a mix of there's not that much to be excited for there and things just cost so damn much. It's it's again even if you have a family of three, right? You bring your, your partner and your kid. You, you decide the three of you are going to go to a game. Let's say you get cheap tickets for 60 bucks each, right? There's 180 bucks. And then you got to eat food too. You're probably eating food at the game. Well, there's another 25 bucks a person generously, right? You're, you're looking easily at a 250 to $300 night if you try to do things the cheap way to go to a game. I totally get why people right now can't all do that. You know, and especially a place like Winnipeg that isn't exactly known for wealth, right? It's not that it's known as a slum, but you you don't have a lot of those. uh, I don't, I can't think of the word right now. You don't have a lot of incredibly wealthy people living in Winnipeg and especially not attending hockey games. That's your middle class. That's who's struggling right now. So, no, I, I'm not shocked that they were missing some fans there. But, again, Bettman is not afraid to rip a team out of Canada. You want to keep that team, they have to show up. The fans absolutely have to show up. Because the NHL, you know, will not think twice before they take them away again. Jake, what about you? It's a bum-ass city with bum-ass fans. Yeah, okay, that's about what I figured. <laughs> I did I did want to bring something up I thought was interesting. Uh, how much do you guys think it costs? Like, what are the cheapest tickets at a Winnipeg Jets game? The cheapest? Yeah, so right now I'm looking at Tuesday's game, Winnipeg Jets versus the St. Louis Blues. Okay, if they are anything comparable to the Canucks, which I kind of thought they would be, the absolute cheapest tickets that you're going to get like upper bowl corner on the edge that St. Louis shoots on twice. So you see nothing. I would guess like $48. Jake, what about you? I'll say 52. We're both pretty close. It was $43. Okay. So yeah, that's, I mean, again, that is a weekday night game against a team. that's not, you know, not a big draw as, as far as like, they're not bringing a lot of people into the building. But yeah, but that's, again, that doesn't mean all the tickets are $43. That's the cheapest tickets you can possibly get. Yeah, and right now for top row at the Edmonton Oilers versus the Winnipeg Jets in Edmonton, how much do you think those are going for? Oh, uh, top row, uh, $70. Jake? I'll double down on 52 $110. Whoa! Yeah. What? Are those resale? Uh, yes. Okay, that that makes but, I mean, a little bit more sense. Same with the ones in Winnipeg; they were resale. Oh, they were too, eh? Yeah. Wow. Man. Damn. It it would not be fun to be a scalper in Winnipeg right now. No, definitely not. Good. I hate scalpers. They're my least favorite people on the planet. <laughs> oh, I mean, they're up there. There's you know, there's drug dealers, and well, I mean, not all drug dealers, but most of them. You know, there's there's a lot of people I don't like, but ticket scalpers are right up, right damn near the top. Okay. People from Winnipeg. 
Yeah, Jake. <laughs> Residents of Winnipeg. <laughs> right up there with scalpers. Scum of the earth. <laughs> it's like those TikToks. Good night to everyone except residents of Winnipeg. <laughs> Anyone who's ever lived in Winnipeg. <laughs> I work with a guy that used to live there. He, he Scum of the earth. Yeah. No, just uh, t- no, he actually is a pretty good guy, but he yeah. chose to leave. He chose to possibly never own property in his entire life to not live in Winnipeg anymore. It's quite the he ultimate made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah, and he would tell you the same thing. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I hate to bring the mood down. There's one more thing that I kind of wanted to go over just quickly. Okay. Was the amount of injuries that have happened so far this season. Yeah. There's been a lot. So quickly just to cover a couple, you got Victor Arvidsson out month to month. Mm. You've got <clears throat> sorry, Kirby Doc out for the season. Yeah, that is that's brutal. a tough one. I feel so bad for the kid. Uh, Brandon Tanev expected to miss four to six weeks. Uh, Matthew Boldy out week to week. Uh, and the list just continues and continues. You've Luke Shen. Luke Shen out four to six weeks. Gabe Velarde out four to six weeks. Like, it, I don't remember this being that many injuries at the start no, of the season. No, like we're three games in. If yeah. we keep moving at this pace, by Christmas, there will be no hockey left. And it's not like these are like a couple days or a couple games missed. Like these are almost a month. Yeah. Like it's, it's quite insane to see how many injuries there's, there's going on in the NHL. And that's just something I kind of want to point out. Cause I was like, what the fuck's going on? But it's funny. Cause it, it, the game doesn't seem more violent. No, you know, it's not like there's like significantly more hits or harder hits or more fights or anything. I, I don't get it. You know, and I'm a big advocate for fighting in hockey. I think it should be allowed. I think, honestly, in a lot of ways, it keeps the game safer. But then you have stuff like this, right? Where it's like, okay, cool, you've taken a lot of the violence out of the game, but here we are, guys still getting hurt long-term. Yeah, I don't know. Jake, do you know? Yeah, Jake, have you been going around hurting people? Is that what's going on here? Yep. Yeah, I knew it. Did you ever take anybody's lunch money? Are you asking me the question? <laughs> yeah, I'm asking you if you ever took somebody's lunch money. Um, yes, but not in the way you would think. You didn't like lift them up against the lockers? <laughs> no, like um one of my buddies that I went to school with, he uh he always had lunch money. Like his parents just gave him money for lunch every single day and like nobody else bought lunch every day. Mhm. And so like he would always like buy his lunch and then with whatever change he had left over, he'd buy people stuff. And then like a couple days, like people would be like, Hey, can I borrow a dollar or two? And then no one would ever pay him back. So <laughs> I did that like a couple times, That's not proud of it, but I'm still friends with him and I've bought him many beers since. So I'd like to <laughs> think that time. I paid off my debt. <laughs> One of the first things I ever did to Jess was I stole her lunch money. You stole her lunch money? Yeah. She, she was like, wow, I love this guy. Well, no, she kept talking about how she had $2 to get banana bread. She had a toonie. She was all excited about it. Where are you and getting banana bread for two bucks? The cafeteria. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And she loved banana bread. But 
this was kind of to teach her a lesson because she was just going on about it way too much, how excited she was. Mm. And she had the toonie sitting on her desk and we had the class right before lunch together. Yeah. She kept talking about this banana bread. <laughs> she was so excited for it. As soon as the bell rang, I grabbed the $2, sprinted to the cafeteria, and I bought myself a cookie. <laughs> Cookies were way better. <laughs> they were very good. Yeah. I offered to share the cookie with her. And she was very angry. With I would, me. yeah, that would make sense. She then dated another guy for two years. Ooh, and then when they <laughs> just to spite you. Yeah. <laughs> it was the guy that makes the banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, when that was over, I asked her out, and she said yes. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, first thing I ever did to her, stole her lunch money. There you go, yeah. kids. That's right, and that is why you bully people you have a crush on. Always works. All, every time, man. Every time. Um, I think that's getting pretty close. That uh, is indeed. We are just about done, but before we move to the end of the episode, we have to hear from our favorite Thoughts analyst Alex Smith. Thoughts. Thoughts. So again, didn't come prepared. Right. But I actually just thought of a really good thought. Okay. Why does X mark the spot? Because there's an intersecting point in the middle. T? Yeah, a T is a sideways X. No. You could draw a T on the ground and you wouldn't know, depending on what angle you're looking at, that it's not an X. I would know. There are two very different things about a T and an X. One of them being the line is way too long to be an X. I'm with Alex on this one. A T is not an X. Okay, okay. But There's it- also an intersecting point on a capital B. What? Oh my! You you mean the thing in the middle? Like where is the, that not? Okay, an X. I think the point is that it reaches out evenly in all directions. But so. you just said a T is an X. Wait. Right. So, hang on. I'm I'm with Alex on this, oh. and my argument though is going to be a lot better than whatever nonsense he's coming up with. B marks the spot. You <laughs> <laughs> wanted an intersecting spot. Does a B not okay, have okay. that? How, how about a star? Why doesn't a star mark the spot, you know? A star is a star. complicated to draw. I'm just going to let that marinate for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> okay, but like... It's just not. In a sense of like, I don't know, like... Wait, wait, a star doesn't have an intersecting spot. Like, not one central one. Yeah, Jake, yes, you're, you're wrong with that one. This The middle center. of the star... Well, dead the center. middle of the star. Everything has a dead center. No, why no, doesn't Jake, o Jake, mark Jake, the spot, no, 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 Jake. no, no, Jake, you're wrong. <laughs> it In does. the middle of the star, there's a hexagon. What? Let me, <laughs> what hold on. Alex, Hold dude. on, let me, let me, or no. no, sorry, sorry, not a hexagon, not a hexagon. An uh, octagon. No, no. Cage match. What's, uh, <laughs> what's the one with five Almost. sides? What is that? An asterisk. An asterisk no. marks the spot. It's, a, it's the house. Whatever shape the house is. Uh, the five sides. The, the five. What? Five sides. The, oh, a pentagon? Yes, a pentagon. No, a pentagon? Yeah. Yes, a pentagon. There's a pentagon in the middle. Uh, 
Oh, okay. A pentagon does not mark the spot. No, it does not. You you need to have a simple central location that is intersected by two even lines. That is an X. That's a B as well. Dude, no. How are the lines that move outward from the center point of a B even? You're they telling me the middle of that, that's the same. What if you're coming at it from the other direction, Alex? There's still a point there. No. There is a middle part of a B. Let, let's look at this. Are you telling me there's not a middle part of a B, of a capital B? I'm telling you that if Wait. you... Go ahead, uh, Jake, what? I have another one. A Y. Because that... Oh, for fuck's sakes. Yeah, so, like a Y could work. I, I no. could get down with Y Mike's, marks Let, as well. Let's talk about this in terms <laughs> that of That kind of sounds like, like Shakespeare. Let's talk about why? this like it's a topographical map, okay? A what? Map. A map, like from Dora the No, Explorer. no, what'd you say before that? A topographical? Maps. I yeah. love maps. Yeah. What is a topographical? It's like a map from the top, like an aerial <laughs> view map. Sounds um, like a, I could take you to the bang. Are you singing? <laughs> yeah, what you? it's a song. Okay. Um, no, so you draw an X on the beach. where. Oh, like Fortnite. <laughs> I've ne I've never played a Fortnite even once in my life. So you've I, never played a Fortnite. Well, no, like you know what I meant. Like I've never, I didn't do that. Okay, sorry. Continue. Uh, yeah. Uh, do I seem like an eleven-year-old with an iPad? I, whoa, I don't whoa, do that. Whoa. I played Fortnite. Yeah, and you seem like an eleven-year-old that had an sick. iPad. Okay. Hold it together. Because <laughs> you don't play Fortnite on an iPad. Okay. <laughs> all right. I think we can all agree that X is the most sensible way to mark the spot. I disagree. No. I still think it's an asterisk. What? Why? Because you've added one extra line? No, because well, it's how more do, definitive. How do you put an asterisk in the sand, Jake? You draw it. Can you draw? Can you send me a photo and draw me an asterisk? Okay, this is getting out of hand. I think. Okay. I think. Funny enough, you're proving the point. Is X is very simple. You make exactly one intersecting line, and at the point of intersection is the spot. So I could do a T, <laughs> is what you're telling me. Based and I off could of do an asterisk. Know. Yeah, but Jake, you're no, making Jake, it more I need complicated you to draw me because an you're drawing an extra line. Alex, you're making it harder to find because one of your lines is shorter than the other Jake, one. Jake, Jake is saying that you could draw like a snowflake. No, that, that would be very complicated and would take a lot of time. And there's no intersecting lines in a snowflake, so that's stupid. Well, it depends how you draw the snowflake. but Okay, well, you must draw really But like a Y, snowflakes. a Y could work then. Like what gives X the leg up on everybody that it marks the spot? Because no matter what direction you're coming from, you can find one of the lines. It's like drawn on the beach. Like if it's a, like a really big X. What? Like. It, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> <laughs> if it's only an X, you can see the lines. Any other letter. <laughs> lines are not there. What, what I'm saying is like an X. If you drew like a really big one to mark something out, you could, you can very easily. Like, from any direction, go, okay, there it is. I'm going to follow that because to the center. the lines meet to the middle. 
Right. Like but, a Y. Right. But no, but on a Y, if you're on the side of like where the long line is, if you're coming from the that opposite direction, uh-huh. there's no lines. You're just guessing. No, there's line. Nope. No, because the little the little stick doesn't go all the way through. So if you're coming from that direction, you don't know where to go. So if you're coming from that direction, you walk right to the middle point where you see three lines meeting each other. I don't think I can justify this conversation anymore. I think I'm correct. No. Jake, w- w- did we lose you? Where Where do you stand on this? Yeah, no, I'm just scrolling Instagram now. Okay, yeah. It's, hey. X marks the spot for a reason. So... Anyways, if you guys would like to get in on this conversation, you can reach us at all of our social medias, including Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitch. Twitch. Is that it? Yeah. At Vancouver Boys Podcast, Twitter at Vancouver Boys underscore. And for serious inquiries, hit us up on our email at Vancouver Boys Podcast at gmail.com. Wow, dude, that was perfect. That was a lot of guessing. Way to go, man. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. What can I say? I'm a prodigy. Keep it up. Yeah, it only took you a year to figure it out, but we, we got here. I think that does it for season four, episode two. Don't know the number. Don't care about the number. Yeah, it's like 130 something. Once you get over 100, it doesn't matter till you hit 200. Yeah, no, we're like, you know, we made it. Yeah. So. Um, we have a pretty important uh, event coming up. That I want to remind everyone about. Every year, um, the Vancouver Boys podcast supports Movember. And uh, we will be doing that again this year. So I just wanted to let everyone know to uh, not shave everything and just leave a little bit of a mustache. Because if uh, if we start from nothing, then I won't have anything. So um, Yeah, yeah um, I didn't me, get the memo me, last me, year. Me and Alex were actually discussing this. Uh, this year, we're not going to start completely clean shaven either. I think we should. You want to? I mean, I did it last year. I think we should just start with the mustaches we already have. I think you're scared. So here's my thing about the sh- going clean shaven. The whole point of Movember is to like bring attention to men's health issues. Mm-hmm. And if you go completely clean shaven, that means you're only really supporting it towards the end of the month when like it kind of grows back. So I think it's That's better fair. to just have it the whole month because then it just like you draw attention to it, especially if you don't wear a mustache the whole year. Yeah. So that's why I kind of say like don't shave everything, just shave down to a mustache. And I hope that our listeners who can grow mustaches choose to because it's a really important cause for me. And I know it's a really important cause for a lot of the other people that are a part of this podcast. So um, I hope anyone who's still with us plans on doing that too. Yeah. And if you're like Jake and you can't grow facial hair, just donate, you know, just show your support <laughs> however you can. <laughs> Jake's been doing November for a while now. Yeah, no, J- Jake, actually, uh, I'll give you that. You can grow a mustache. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes, we will be doing that. We will try to get a little more organized on that pretty soon. But yes, Jake is right. We will be participating in November this year. Um, that about does it for this episode, I think. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and like Alex said, follow us on our social media channels. We really appreciate the support. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you on the next one. Peace. Trivia.
So we're missing the fifth best Canucks face-off percentage guy. That or has, girl. Oh, right. Uh, who has played more than 200 NHL games. Yes. And we have got Bo Horvat, JT Miller, <coughs> Trevor Linden. Who was the other one? Uh, Man- no, not Manny Malholtra because he hadn't played enough games yet. Bo Horvat, Trevor Linden, JT Miller. Ryan Kessler. Ryan Kessler. Kessler, that's right. Okay, uh, can you tell us what line he was on? Was he like a first, second, third, or fourth liner? He was a bottom six player. Bottom six player. Joined the team in 2015, 2016. And it wasn't Jay Beagle? Nope. Sam Gagne? Nope. 2015, 16. Jay Beagle didn't play enough games. Radam Verbata? Nope. Bottom six. Oh, Brandon right, Sutter. Brandon Sutter Brandon is correct. Brandon Sutter. You got it. Good old Sutsy. Happy retirement to Brandon Sutter. Yeah, I hope he's doing good, man. I hope he's doing good. I would love it if he came back to the Canucks organization. I don't think he will. I think there's other organizations that want him more, but I would love to have him here. He, he's an awesome What guy. team do you think he played on the longest? Edmonton, for sure. Or not uh, Edmonton, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, three years at Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, who was he with before Pittsburgh? I think that was the... Uh... Carolina? Yep. Yeah. So did he play longer in Carolina or longer in Vancouver? I would say Carolina, I think. I think he definitely played more games for Carolina. He might have been a Canuck for longer, but didn't play for a long stretch there. That would be my guess. Jake, you agree, disagree? Uh, yeah, I think he probably played in Vancouver like time-wise longer, but definitely more games in Carolina. Yeah, it's close. Uh, four seasons in Carolina, 50, 72, 82, 82. And then six in Vancouver, 20, 81, 61, 26, 44, 43. Don't feel like doing the math, but it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I and I didn't listen. So, I mean, I'm sure it was close. I think Vancouver beats them out by like maybe 20 games, but yeah. Muzzin retired too. I did see that, and oh. he's joining the Maple Leafs in, like, player development or something. Oh, well, yeah. well good for him. Anyway, bye. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs>